Ever wonder how to get your business started? Today, we're going to tell you how to do that by explaining how your experiences are a gateway to content. Hello, and welcome to Cranktivity, a podcast for digital entrepreneurs where we help people like you achieve your full potential and biggest dreams. Your host is David from BizBudding, and we invite you to join us each episode as we share actionable strategies to take your website to the next level. Learn the secrets to thriving online and gaining financial freedom as we talk with world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary success themselves. We ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you what steps to take on your path to greater success. Ready? Here we go. Welcome to Cranktivity. I'm your host, David. Today, I'm here with two wonderful people, Christina and Brianna Schindler. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Good morning, David. Thanks for having us on. Oh, I'm super excited. You know, today's topic was about taking experiences and creating content and businesses out of them. And uh, it's just when I when I hear some of the stories that you have to share, it's amazing um, what you've done, the experiences you've had, and how you've built a business out of it. And, and not only have you done that, you've shared those experiences with your kids, and they've started their own businesses. So I think today is going to be really fun just to talk about all the crazy things, all the fun things, all the scary things, and give people encouragement that you can't do it because you guys have definitely done it. Well, thank you very much. And it's good to hear that side of it because it's been a journey. Um, so our family, we had kind of have a unique um, situation. So we have been dabbling in this world of doing online classes and things really based on my husband, who's an archaeologist and primitive technologist. So literally think about Indiana Jones, um, meets a chef, put them all together. And that's kind of um, my husband, Bill Schindler, Brianna's dad here. And we've been dabbling in things for years. And then he um, was the co-star on The Great Human Race for Nat Geo, I guess about five years ago now. And after that started, you know, it was a little more, he was doing some more consulting and things and things were going, but we still had our full-time jobs. He's a professor and I was a supervisor of special education. So we've been dabbling in this on the side. And then we had an opportunity to live abroad because he was on sabbatical for a year. So we lived in Ireland for a year and we took that time as a chance to really share our story. So um, the Modern Stone Age family we coined and we used that on social media, website and really blogged about everything that we did because we hit how many countries? 14? 14. Brianna and I actually hit 15 because we did a mother-daughter seven-day trek um, through four additional countries in Europe. But we took that time to really share our story and our message because we experienced so much and we knew it was such a unique gift. And we came back and uh, we had an amazing time living in Ireland, but we came back to our modern life in suburbia, Maryland, and got really just ingrained in the busy again. And we always wanted to do this side entrepreneurial gig but it just didn't happen because we were so busy and it truly wasn't until COVID and actually our 16 year old daughter who told us and showed us that it was absolutely possible. So why don't you share your side of the story here? Okay. So I started a business called rise, a bread business back in March around Easter um, of quarantine and of 2020. Yeah. So we started, um, my dad is a professor at a local college. So we were in, he has a building called the Food Lab. So we were in there baking once a week, 100 loaves for um, a local communities who couldn't get access to the grocery stores and stuff during original lockdown. So we started it and yeah, it was amazing. It was great to give back to the community as well. It's a nice thing to do, be able to bake for the community. Yes. Go ahead. You, you, were, you were telling us your story, but what I thought was interesting for a second, you're you're telling me about your dad who was a professor and that uh, 
I heard primitive technologies and archaeologists. Now that that's got to be quite the combination for food, right? What? <laughs> yeah. Food, right? In a family. I mean, when you're traveling the world and you're. Oh um, yeah. When we traveled the world, we were looking at it from a food perspective, but not your typical modern food perspective. Um, we worked with ancestral tribes around the world and uh, learned how they process food. So really focusing on the how you eat as opposed to what you eat. So everything from eating bugs in Thailand um, to drinking blood and milk um, in Kenya with tribes. So, I mean, it wasn't your typical sabbatical year. So Brianna, so- how, how does red fit into that? Um, good question. So like she was saying, not really the what you eat, but the how you eat. So the bread that's lining the grocery store shelves, the Wonder Bread is a lot, um, completely different food than the sourdough bread um, that's made, that we make. So it has, it, it, they're completely different with the fermentation processes and stuff. So that like the blood and the milk and the bugs and all of that different types of the food and the, um, the, the how, not the what. We were really diving into that and he found the passion in sourdough. Like so, all yeah, else. like a loaf of sourdough takes almost 36 hours to make start to finish. And a loaf of Wonder, du- Wonder Bread is an hour into the bag from mixing to into the bag. So they're completely different foods and the way your body handles them are completely mm-hmm. different too. So that's really important for us is looking at not limiting yourself on what you eat, but looking at how it's prepared so that it's the most nutrient dense bioavailable possible. So sourdough, believe it or not, fits into that. And then of course, there's always the good history of what came first, beer or bread. So that's always been fun research. You know, it's all about fermentation. Beer and pretzels is my thing. Uh, I have to to do a lot of trail running to support my beer and pretzel habit. So Brianna, when you you were making bread with your dad, did you ever think in the beginning that it was going to be a business? No. Um, it was something and really brought us closer as well because we were there for two days a week and making bread all day. So um, we're doing that and we just enjoyed it, listening to music, rolling out the dough. Um, I had a job previously. um, I was working at a restaurant uh, as a hostess and then I was furloughed because of COVID. Um, Everything closed down. So I also didn't have um, an income at the moment. So and school was virtual. Yeah, school. So that helped too. Yeah, that's it still is. So that's a really big um Help. She was doing English class last week as she was stamping pretzels bags and putting yeah, pretzels into bags for the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. All right. So when, when, you, when you decided to, to take to jump into starting a, a bread business, what did you think about? Was, uh, was it creating an online business? Was it delivering locally? Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're thinking when you said, hey, I should do this. So I guess the really first thing was connecting with customers and things. So we started um, a website that was one of the first main points um, to get that um, online platform enabled to reach out um, so that the first week it was actually your idea and it was brilliant. Um, when we started, you're welcome. We, we, we delivered on Easter for the first one and we had um, a few, I don't know, 10 or 20 bags of um, samples that we made of, we only at the beginning offered three products. So we made little samples in little bags and we de- went around, um, and we delivered them to people in our neighborhood, our friends um, who live locally, and things like that, just to get the message out and going. And then they ordered. We actually went on Facebook for a few weeks because we weren't able to handle the capacity already that that people just ordered. And then they, they posted, though, um, through the website and everything. And it just grew. And then we got on Facebook and were able to connect more Um And Facebook has been a great marketing tool because truly that's really the only way that we've done marketing right now Mm -hmm. is locally via Facebook and 
through an email list that Brianna manages and she writes all the emails. So what it's taught her, I think I love seeing the pieces for her that have come out in terms of that content creation and sharing the message. You know, she uses Canva to make, you know, her, her cool graphics to send out to people. Um, she's got her email list and from a writing perspective, it really has enhanced, I think your writing and just that connection with customers. So this was not something at all that we intended (laughs) at all. If you asked, if we sat here a year ago and talked to you, there is no way that we would be doing a sourdough bread because actually we don't eat much bread in our house at all, let alone carbs. It actually is kind of against what we talk about because we limit those in terms of our eat like a human approach. So that's our other business that we have is eat like a human, where we really focus on these nutrient dense foods um, like homemade mozzarella cheese and high quality animal fats and things like that. Um, So bread is kind of an outlier. So the fact that we're focusing on bread right now is very unique, but the reason being, not only has Brianna started this, but because we're doing it out of our home still and the cottage laws in Maryland, the only thing that we can make really, other than cupcakes and jams and jellies in a cottage industry, which goes against our brand, um, is is actually bread. So that's why we focus on sourdough bread. So, I mean, we're at the point now that hopefully with the end of the month, we'll have a lease signed on a commercial space and we'll be shipping and... Um, I mean, it's really taken it to the next level, so much so that I actually resigned my job as an administrator of special ed. I mean, I had a very, very good job um, in education July 1 to focus on this because we realized we've talked about this for years. And if COVID hasn't taught us one thing, along with our 16, now (laughs) 17-year-old daughter, is we can do it. Like, we can put our heads down and do it, and we are. And it's really been um, fantastic to focus on one thing that you truly are passionate about because I left in the spring sitting in IEP meetings. So for listeners, that's our individual educational plan meetings for students with disabilities and sitting in these Zooms. And then I would go <laughs> video my husband butchering a pig on our counter for you know an online class. It just wasn't working. I mean, I just felt like I had a split personality. So to now focus on one thing and to blow it out of the park, it's really been exciting. Well, before we talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about some of the travel experiences and how you've kind of turned that into content and courses and and classes that you're now selling, I think I wanted to touch base on on something that you said uh, just a couple seconds ago, I think is really, really powerful. And the statement that you made was you just have to put your head down and do it. I think when we've talked to so many people about beginning a website or beginning a blog or starting a business, um, it's, it's easy to just kind of put your toe in the pool, sort of check the, mm-hmm. the tepidity of the water and see if it's warm or not. And um, part of the challenge I think is putting your head down and staying focused. Uh, you can probably share some experiences where you, you thought it was going to go a little easier than it was going to go, but it hasn't. And it, even with building our business, with building biz budding, it, you know, we just celebrated an 11 year birthday, right? Congratulations. So our, thank you. So our, uh, you know, feeling like we're getting there, um, has been a long, slow process, but you know, each day there's incremental gains, uh, in order to get there. So I just wanted to share with everybody listening too that, um, you got to put your head down and, and get there, get it done, set some goals for yourself. Now, when when you were raising your kids and yes. traveling, did you think that you would be raising entrepreneurial kids? Did you kind of have that in mind? 
No, I don't think that that necessarily wasn't a focus of ours. It was more making sure that they had a wide variety of experiences. So they realized that literally anything was possible. And being an entrepreneur wasn't something that was really in the forefront of our minds. So both my husband and I were both trained educators. So, I mean, it's a service industry and that's what you do. You just help and serve people and you don't make a lot of money doing it. So that's... so the it wasn't in our DNA at all. And that's, that idea. And, and that's, that's what I was trying to reach to share with people here listening that most of us, it's not in our DNA to be an entrepreneur, that it's, it's in our DNA to be an educator, to be a teacher, to be uh, passionate about a project, to be a philanthropist, to be anything. But there, there's so many things that you could do that, um, you either enjoy or you love or you're good at no one ever really says i'm gonna like be an entrepreneur and start something <laughs> right so, especially around bread yeah no. well if you if if you're at at home um you know working on a project or your your job isn't quite what you want it to be uh there is opportunity to just start writing about something that you love or building a product around something that you love uh, I have a friend who loves to build birdhouses and he's building a nice little business, handcrafting these cool looking birdhouses and, and selling them. So I, I think that, you know, you can, with the internet today and with the tools and technology available to build a website and to reach people and to market one-to-one that you could take your passion and, you know, kind of start to create a business, but it's going to take a little bit of time and it's going to take a little bit of, of focus, um, Brianna, when you started thinking about bringing the bread business online, uh, did you mm-hmm. think, oh, I already know how to use all these tools, Instagram, Facebook? No. Uh, we actually, we're not on Instagram yet. We, sh- we should be. Um, we need to be. Uh, no, I, I want to say that this is actually really interesting from a marketing perspective for Brianna because I was pushing her to be on Instagram. And she's like, mom, my audience isn't on Instagram. And she's right. When we look at the demographics of people who order it's not necessarily people that are there on Facebook and they're sharing. So I actually thought it was very good. Now we need to be on Instagram, yeah. but you know, originally she really did look at our target market audience. So that was good. That, but, that's um, the point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the question was sort of related towards, did you, were you aware of all the internet tools or was it still something that even though you're young and you're, you know, the generation that grew up with a phone in your hand, are, are you still learning? Are you still seeking out how to, to change things and make things happen? Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm always learning and I really never, I never made a website or anything beforehand. Um, I think you did like a Google website through yeah, school Yeah, I or probably did like but... a Google site thing, um, but nothing to the level of, um, what we have now. Um, so no, it was all a learning process. I kind of learned as I went, I sat down at the dining room table over there and I put, I put my head down and, um, and in 24 hours she had a website up. I mean, and literally we only offer three products, but you know, little things, it was three products, but there was variables in those products. So that was another learning curve. It wasn't just putting one static, you know, item up there. It was, you know, do you want these different types of crackers Mm -hmm. and things? So she definitely um, also had a little variety in what you were doing too. It wasn't just cut and dry. And then in terms of the e-commerce, then I had to figure out the financial side because I wasn't sure how to per se collect money online and what platform we were going to use to collect those credit cards. Cause that's the most important part. I mean, let's be honest, you need to make sure that you get paid at the end of the day for this work because we were not collecting cash. And that is one of the best things that we did is an automatic, our orders close on every Tuesday night at midnight. 
And we know because it takes us three days to make everything. And then we do deliveries on Friday. So we had a good uh, workflow as mm-hmm. well, too, which has which has helped. But you've learned a lot. And yeah, uh, the email campaigns using ConvertFlow and ActiveCampaign, that's been very helpful and tagging customers and being doing those follow-ups and setting automations. That's our, our next task for what we're going to really focus on mm-hmm. in the next couple months. What's your favorite part about building the business, Brianna? Hmm. Um, I think on like the, the whole background behind the scenes thing, I really do enjoy um, running the emails and running the content for posts and um, the website and just like ha- putting the information out there, but also putting my own little like spin to it to make it personable and for people who actually like want to read and go through a website and actually um, read and see what all the information is about. Um, but on the front side of things, I think I really enjoy it. I think all of us do. One of our favorite parts of um, the entire thing is the farmer's market on Thursdays. We do um, a local farmer's market and we love um, connecting with the customers. We've been there for a few months now. So we have regulars who come up and we talk and um, there's one lady who just had a baby, but we saw her as she got pregnant or as she became more pregnant. Um, and they're actually on the way to the hospital and they stopped as she was in labor and they stopped to get crackers. They needed broke, crackers. And she needed her cracker fixed. Um, but and I, now she has her little two month old. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really so sweet. Cute. But I guess just seeing all the people and really making a personal connection with them as well. It's been amazing. So you started out, making bread with your dad, sharing it with mm-hmm. the community, gaining some experience doing that, then moving into selling it to France's family, selling it in a farmer's market, and are now, I think I heard you talk about you're expanding that online a little bit. Will you be shipping it or delivering it? As soon as we get into a commercial kitchen, which, fingers crossed, is uh, very, very soon. So we've already upgraded our equi- all our equipment. I mean, you know, good old Facebook marketplace to get some of those uh, bakery ovens that are – Actually, we have a six-deck oven now and things. So we used to do all of this out of our backyard. We have a brick, um, like a big pizza oven that we built years ago in our backyard. Um, but getting up at 4.30 in the morning to bake loaves of bread was just not working. So we've we've already upgraded that piece. But again, those are all jumps and steps to take that are scary, that next step. But and financially, they're scary. And financially, they are. That's a lot of loaves of bread to buy that oven. Um, but when you start crunching the numbers and that's, I kind of geek out on the spreadsheets and things like that. When you start seeing how things come together, it's like, all right, we can do this. We can definitely put our heads down and do this. So what's the the favorite part of, of scaling Brianna? Is it, you know, writing the content and getting more and more followers or is it the actual production a little bit of both? I, I don't know. I guess a little bit of both now, really since um, school started or, not, I guess it has started, but it's become more um, engaging and my class times are longer. I've Zoomed like all day now and things. Um, my ability to help with the whole production side has been greatly diminished from what it was originally during the start of COVID in summer. Um, so my parents have absolutely been amazing and it's not rise by Brianna, it's rise by the Schindlers now, really. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I really do enjoy writing the content and all of that and having customers email me with reviews and seeing that they enjoy it. I do like... Sorry, go. I was just to say, and people who haven't eaten bread in years and now all of a sudden can eat our bread and they're not having any health impacts, which is really powerful to hear those kind of messages too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get emails about people saying that this parallels from their San Francisco loaves because they live, they come from California and they're like, I can't find a, um, a sourdough like this on the Eastern shore, but oh my goodness, um, things like that. It, it's really rewarding. That sounds really cool. When you're, 
putting together the stories and content from your bread, do you ever go back to any of the experiences you had while you were traveling? For sure, definitely. I don't, I can't, what's a particular one about really bread though? But yes, definitely. We pull from all the experiences. They, um, they've shaped, uh, this might sound corny, but they shaped who I am and uh, my outlook and the things that I write for sure, completely. They're in every single word I type. So in like kind of our next scaling up, it's not just bread. That would be rice will be the sourdough line, but then we're going to have other lines of food, um, different snack products. So as those come out, like one being next homilized corn and tortilla chips and tortillas. So we went and we were in Oaxaca and we actually in learned in Mexico and, and learned how to make traditional nixtamalized tortillas in the mountains of Oaxaca with a traditional group. So those stories are, you know, right at the forefront of all the content and the messaging for those brands and why it changes, you know, that how of how we eat the food. The thing about bread, it's a little different because it actually is, um, it's, it's just a different phenomenon. There's not one group per, per, per se invented, you know, bread. So it is a little different that way. So that I, I, I like hearing, you know, taking the different experiences uh, where, where you've been and being able to turn them into businesses. I also think it's really cool that you have little sub businesses that you create from the experiences uh, that you've, you've been at. When you're building Eat Like a Human and the, the website there, uh, do you find it challenging at all to keep keep it focused or do you? Yes, Thank we're struggling, <laughs> truthfully, David, as you've helped us through this process because we are doing so many things. And actually, the other big piece that we're dealing with right now is trademark um, because we were calling it the modern. Well, my LLC is the Modern Stone Age family. Um, we wanted to call it the Modern Stone Age Kitchen. And then that's too close as we started going down that trademark. So that was a whole new world that two educators learned about because that wasn't something that we knew. Um, right now, we just got off the phone with our trademark attorney about eat like a human and there's an eat like a woman. So we might have some difficulties there. So the branding is one piece, you know, that I think is is difficult when you want to be focused because we do want to do a lot from food production to online classes, to in-person classes, to retreats. My husband's book called Eat Like a Human will be pre-selling um, March. in March, which is really exciting. Yeah. So that actually um, was the impetus for going abroad was for him to write his book. So that's really exciting news that he wrote it. It was successful and uh, sold to Little Brown and will pre-sell in March. So we've got a lot of things in the works. And you know, I just thought about it. Brianna's younger brother, uh, Billy, who's 15, he started a little entrepreneurial side gig because um, it's hunting season. Maryland, the eastern shore where we live, it's a very big geese, deer hunting area. And he butchers all the animals himself that him and my husband um, hunt. And he does a really nice job. And somebody asked him like, hey, I spent 70 bucks and I go up the road to the butcher. You want to do it? I'll give you the 70. And that's a lot of money to a 15 year old. So he's got a little side hustle right now going on <laughs> butchering deer in the garage. So I just see, you know, his little entrepreneurial spirit has been sparked as well because he realized, hmm, you know, how many hours do I have to work at a minimum wage job and I can butcher the deer and package it? And, and it's something that he loves and um, that he sees value into. So it's been pretty cool to see that little spark now. Yeah. you know, grow within the next Schindler in our house. That's cool. One of the things I heard you say that I think is important, um, you were, you were talking about some of the difficulties that you run into along the way, but the, the cool thing uh, about running into difficulties is I think that you're moving forward and you're always moving forward. And if you run into a difficulty, it's because you've made progress and now you have a chance to overcome that and, 
you know, pick a direction, pick a course and, and steer towards it. I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about starting a business, uh, worry about all the things that they can run into. And what I want to encourage people uh, to do instead is to just start. And as you move along, uh, find people who can help you steer around those, those difficulties. I'm sure as you've been growing your business, you've run into people that have helped you uh, solve problems, figure things out. Absolutely. And I think that is a huge point. And one of the biggest things that I've learned is there comes a point in time where you do need to ask for help and it's not a sign of weakness at all. Clearly people are skilled in their different areas and you need to latch onto those people. And sometimes it's tough to pay the money for somebody because you're just starting out and you don't have that capital to be able to, it could be 50 bucks. It could be $5 for a graphic. It could be $5,000. Um, but in the long term, what you get, uh, and, and a great example is with BizBudding, you helped me with the website. I have been doing websites for, gosh, I don't even know, 10 years just by myself on the side, self-taught. And yes, was I able to put a website together out there? Yeah, you showed me. Did it rank in an SEO? Oh, no. So I was working really hard and spinning my wheels, but needed that expertise to be able to take things to the next level. But for me as some and my husband, we definitely are kind of that type A, and it's hard to ask for help sometimes and reach out from just a self-esteem perspective, but also a financial perspective. That's one thing that we've realized. There are so many people out there. Like this trademark is a great example. There's no way I could have figured out trademark and the trademark website and everything on my own. But, you know, we had to pay an attorney, which is not a cheap fee. But in the long run, it's going to save us a lot of money and a lot of time. So that that's been a big thing. I would encourage people to reach out to those experts in those different fields. It really makes a huge difference from a time perspective, too. It, it does. But it, it also um, shows progress. So you can you can start your business. You could create a blog. You can get a name. And um, start to blog, start to grow your following. And your audience has shifted with you as your names have shifted, correct? Yeah, they have. They have. Right? So uh, I talk to a lot of people. They don't know how to choose a domain name. And that's one of the articles that we, we have on our website, how to choose a domain name. And they, you know, you know it's really easy to get stuck there because you want to start with the end in mind. Everybody... Yeah wants to create this vision of, of where they want to go. And so you have the end in mind, but then you can't find a name. You can't get the domain name. And we always say, just grab the best thing and get going. Um, you know, kind of that 80, 20 rule where you can, you want to get 80% of the benefit, you know, with maybe 20% of the work or you have 20% left to go and launch it at 80% ready and then shift as you start to meet your audience. It's funny you say that because, I mean, the one thing that you can personalize is your name, right? So actually for the kids for Christmas, all three of them got their names and domains as a gift because I figure, you know, grab them now and then that way they can put any content. I figure she's going to put her college, you know, you know, well, your not your application on, on but your, well, your portfolio, you know, it, it can go on there. But if they want, you know, if Billy wants to have a hunting blog, it could just be his BillyShindler.com. Um, so that is actually a Christmas present. I kind of geeked out on that one bought for the kids. <laughs> it's cool though. But that is a, it's a great way to, to, you know, continue to segment into the conversation of um, getting, getting started and starting to write about some content that you love. Um, you know, as when you started your business, did you have a clear content strategy and vision or did you just kind of start writing about things that you liked and seeing what kind of stuck to the wall? 
Um, absolutely. That would have been the fly by night, um, just kind of right based on what was going on. And we're right now being much more deliberate with how we're delivering content. I think it helps with our organization, um, because we have so much. So we're trying to do kind of a theme every day in our minds to be able to help put out, um, content. And then we still struggle with, my husband likes to write like dissertations on like a Facebook post. It's like, that's a blog that's a blog. Um, so trying to be able to really see the difference between what's a post versus what's a blog and to be able to reutilize content, because I think that's been a huge one. You know, you get new followers and they haven't seen a video or, you know, something that you wrote last year. So be able to pull that back. And you just did that in an email you sent to the list this week because we had written a blog on sourdough and she was able to pull that into the rise audience, um, to be able to educate them on the benefits of sourdough. So, we need to be better with that. And truly, I know there's some tools out there for organizing um, content creation. And that's probably the next thing that we do need to. I, I think that's super important is to every couple of months, take a look at what you've written. What's starting to you know get some traction with your audience and with Google. And I, and I think it's more important to write for your audience uh, because as they engage with you, uh, you know, communicate back that, um, you know, you start to, to build a rapport and you will tend to get better content, which will grow your audience faster. And, and once you start engaging with an audience, then take a look at search and how, you know, your keywords are ranking and what you're trying to say. And uh, even our business, you know, every year we're, I'm in the middle of it right now where, you know, I basically ripped apart every blog post and every piece of content. And I have a little mind map of keywords and I'm trying to say, you know, these articles are related to these topics. Um, but I'm not writing the content specifically for the keywords. I've uh, tried to address the needs of our customers and the problems that they're trying to solve. Uh, so then I, I, you know, kind of step back from the problems that I'm trying to solve and take a look at the content that I have and continue to put together a, a plan of how to, to grow that. So for us, you know, these podcasts fit in with how to start a business, how to grow your business, how to get online. Uh, it's much more than, than just building a website. And what's really exciting is to hear, you know, your story of, you know, taking your experiences, turning them into a business, um, growing from that and, and putting together content plans and then working with your kids in an entrepreneurial space to kind of create some little offshoots. Uh, we, we had a, uh, uh, one of our first episodes uh, with Seth on podcast, uh, he and I chatted for a long time about raising entrepreneurial kids. And when I when I grew up, I I don't think I ever thought about being entrepreneurial, but I've had quite a few businesses and some great successes and some great failures. And along the way, you know, I think my kids have seen um, the extremes of both. Mm. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I I think. Uh, Overall, though, creating something that you could say is yours and doing it even as a side gig to get started is is a great way to do it. It's very hard to just jump right in and create something and go. Now, people will see that in in May you you jump full time into this and and think, wow, you know, they got there right away. And Christina's just jumped in and and taken over this and somebody's thinking that they have to start that way. But what I want to you know, articulate is that it's taking a long time to get there. 
And I want to preface that, David, just to say the reason why I made that jump, Brianna showed us the possibility and the income that Rise could provide, but my husband sold his book and he got a, a nice offer that we weren't necessarily anticipating. So it was like, oh, if we know that's rolling in, we've got this Rise when else are we going to do this? Like, this is the time to do it. So right. you're, take, you're taking uh, you're, you're taking advantage of an opportunity, Absolutely. which is excellent. And and a lot of people will say, boy, that's lucky. But the point I'm trying to emphasize is that luck has been head down, hard work. Long time. And everybody can do that. Everybody can take these steps, I believe. Uh, find something that you're passionate about. Find something to write about. Start telling a story. Start telling about your experiences. Find some local group to interact with. And it does take a little bit of time, but it is very rewarding and very fun. At least I feel like it is. I I love doing it. Uh, And I could, you know, while we're recording this, we have video so we could see each other and I could see the smiles on both your faces. And it, it just warms my heart that, you know, you can share your experiences, build an audience, interact with them and solve people's problems. Um, I think that there's, the fact that you are creating some type of product, whether it's a physical product or a knowledge product Mm -hmm. that helps people solve problems is uh, really, really cool. And I think that's one of the great things of the internet today is we have the ability to share information. That's, there's also some really deep negatives in there and that's another really long conversation. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, uh, I think it's really cool the way that you've done that. Thank um, you. It is. And the internet's helped a lot because we took, believe it or not, we launched our first online class, virtual class, two weeks before the COVID shutdown. So we were like cutting edge before COVID. Um, but clearly then everybody else was on, you know, doing everything virtual. So last night we had our last sourdough, a four-week sourdough class. And just like you said, it's amazing how it can connect people. So, you know, we had a group of eight people or so online making sourdough bread, sharing the results and everything's posted. We use LearnDash online to be able to organize all those classes. That's been very, very helpful because then students are able to go in and rewatch the videos. So it's been so neat to be able to connect with people all over the country who we never would have met before. Um and I mean, that's a great example. We've met people online that we never would have. Uh, this woman, Gally, and her family in Oaxaca, we literally met them via Instagram because they were very similar. And it was three Christmases ago. It's kind of how our yeah. family rolls. We went out and were there for Christmas. And then we're in the mountains of Oaxaca learning about Nick's Tomalized Maze. But it's just, you know, you can, you can find like-minded people online too um, when you start putting your message and your story out there. So that's another reason, um, at least for us, to continue sharing that content because you just make these really intense connections that you can't necessarily do in, in your backyard. So yeah, well said. You've got me inspired now to start writing some more, David. But then I, I in the same breath, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to do A, B, and C. But then again, I hear you say that shows progress. And thank you, because I need to hear that message myself. Um, because so often then you hear, see that laundry list of to-dos, but you have the to-dos because you're growing. And if you weren't growing, you wouldn't have a to-do list. So thank you for reaffirming that in me this morning. Well, we, we go through the same thing. I, I mean, it's it's, it's not easy to create content and to reach an audience and engage with them. And, you know, we, we grew to the point where, you know, we acquired two other companies and, and now we have fans and customers who we never knew before. So we're trying to learn who they are and how to help them. And it's, it's okay, you know, to even make mistakes along the way. We had version one of our product. We just created version two. It's completely different. How do you, 
you know, transition between those? How do you give a route for those customers? So we're still figuring that out. I think we nailed it in the last couple of weeks. We're going to have some announcements coming up in the next month or two, but you know, it's, it's all part of having a, a roadmap and, and growth and taking those steps. Brianna, when you were traveling, is there any particular experience you think that really stuck with you that you thought now that you've built Rise, you know, maybe the next thing or just some ideas of what other people can do uh, from things that you've you've seen? Um, that's a fantastic question. So, yeah, we have have been so fortunate to um, hop on with my dad and travel around the world and have so many unique experiences and meet people from literally all over and all walks of life. So I feel like I keep going back to the tortillas and the next tunnelization um, in Oaxaca, but that they're amazing. Um, the tortillas. So in terms of the next product line? Uh, yeah. I don't, kind of. Yeah, I guess. Well, I think it's opened your eyes. I mean, where you are in your life to, to college and what's possible out there. And, you know, she's not just looking at U.S. schools, which is hard as a parent yeah. to know that she's talking about Cambridge and Oxford, you know, those places, but it's wonderful too, because the world is small and there are so many places that you can go and learn. So I, I see our travels definitely impacting her future path in your career, as well as mm-hmm. where you land for college. But as a parent, for me, a huge piece was, um, is context because putting our kids in with local traditional groups, they experienced and they tried things that there's no way that they would have before. I mean, Brianna literally drank milk and blood mixed with the Hadza in Kenya as they shot the neck of the cow with the arrow and caught it in a gourd that smelt like burnt fire because they had burned it out and then mixed it with fresh milk that they had gotten from the cow. And as you're there with the tribe in the context, I mean, it's definitely something that you're going to try and experience Yeah, as much as bugs in Thailand when you're cooking ant weaver eggs with a community, because that's not something that you would have here in, traditionally in our modern world. But, you know, context right. is really important mm-hmm. for all those pieces. Right. And, and I think that's probably um, an interesting challenge, too, is when you when you talk about your experiences and your background, there's probably, you know, a group of people who get weirded out hearing what you say yes. and there's probably a group of people that think it's really cool um and the, the nice thing the nice thing about the internet is you can reach your audience but you can also reach a lot of trolls and, and a lot of people who are just nasty you know have you have you kind of experienced that you, you just shrug it off you know um we've actually had a very hard time with that because what we keep saying to ourselves is they're not our people so you can imagine with food that you go down rabbit holes of as soon as we start with sourdough then it's the carnivore paleo world who are right us off. And it was actually funny to see my husband's Instagram numbers because the content really comes through him on, on his Instagram. We focus on that one. Um, Dr. Bill Schindler. So post something about bread and you'll lose like 20 followers and then post something about meat and you'll gain them back. And we're just like, they're not our people. They're not our people. But what's been very, very hard. It's not necessarily our personal accounts because I think we put ourselves out there on a very personal level and people haven't knock on wood attacked us that way. Um, my husband's done recently over the past six months, probably about four or five videos for wired magazine on YouTube. And they have been, um, extremely hurtful. Some comments. So my husband's, uh, he wrestled division one at Ohio state and he has cauliflower ears. 
large cauliflower ears. There's a lot of hard work went into those bad boys. And the comments, I mean, the Dumbo comments that people would write, uh, he did a stone tool one and he made fire. So actually that was perfect at the beginning of COVID, like these survival ones. And then recently he just did one on dairy. He did one on meat. Oh my, the vegans, um, the comments that he got, it was it was really like, we finally were like, we're just not looking. I mean, if yeah. I have a million views and you start looking at the comments and the up and the downs and the agita that it creates, and we just keep saying they're not our people and we just don't read the comments anymore. So that's, that's good advice for somebody starting their blog. Who's worried about, you know, the, how they interact with people. Um, we've, you know, even in the blogging space, uh, not to the extent that you've been through it, have had some people that get upset at things that we've done. But I, but I think the, the point of this part of the conversation is anytime you step outside the box and share your opinion, somebody's going to be loving it and somebody may not love it. Yeah. And part of the challenge is rising above, you know, with the, there you go with the rise. <laughs> no pun intended there. But, but rising, rising above the comments and knowing that you have a community, a following, a group of people who really appreciate what you do. Mm-hmm. and serve them and serve them well. And I like to see businesses who who know who their audience is and can focus on providing service to that audience. And I think that you guys have, have done that well. And the reason I, I brought this up is because I, I really believe that um, as people grow their online businesses, they have to be uh, eventually prepared for how they communicate their tone of voice, um, the way that they represent themselves. And I, and I think it's a great opportunity to um, continue to lead and share and show empathy, you, you know, around the world with different experiences. So people at home that have an idea for a business, you know, don't, don't worry too much about what people say online, tell your story, stay focused with it. Uh, because if there's somebody that doesn't like it, there's certainly somebody that, that does. Yes. And it gives you the opportunity to share your thoughts. Uh, and, and Brianna, I'm, I'm super excited, super proud of what you've done and built. I think yeah. it's uh, really cool to watch uh, young adults learn, get online, share your experiences. Um, also, to, you know, to, to leverage the experiences of your, your parents and other people to take those ideas. Uh, I think you have uh, a challenge as young adults to help filter through some of the the content and information as people continue to grow and spend more and more time online. Mm -hmm. But I think what what you've done has been been fantastic. Uh, Any last minute tips that you'd want to share with, with another, you know, 15, 18, 22 year old getting out of college saying, what do I do next? Um, I guess, I don't know. The whole thing about um, entrepreneurship is, um, I guess it can be something that you love. Um, so really, I had a passion bred, and it brought my family was close. Um, we were, were so close, but um, it brought us even closer um, with all the hours of meeting and mixing and packaging. But I really enjoyed what I was doing, and not that I didn't enjoy my um, my previous jobs, but I was able to do it from home. I was able to do it from my our schedule, mm-hmm. um, and it just it makes me really happy. Um, it makes us all happy. It's able to we're able to personalize it to our. Um, to our liking. So if there's something that you have a passion about, um, whether it be bread or butchering deer in your garage or um, blogging or whatever, you just got to do it. Just put your head down and do it. They'll, it's scary and there's a bunch of risks, but it's amazing what it can turn into. 
But truthfully, in the beginning, if we if we think about what it was, of course, we always talk about the financial risk, right? So was it 40 or no, because we added commerce, I think it was like $40 to start the website for the week, whatever it was, or for the month, I'm sorry, uh, ingredients. I mean, I think maybe we spent $50 on ingredients, but we really, you know, put the spreadsheet together, what this is going to be and what we could create. And when you looked at it, it on paper, it, it wasn't that much of a risk just to start. It was a time risk. But that is something that we had a little extra of during, or she especially did, with school during COVID. Um, So it was worth it. But I think starting a business, which I didn't realize going down this path is, oh, we're making bread. So that's what we're doing. And let me just preface this. I never made a loaf of bread before and I left my job and we're making bread. So (laughs) you, you can learn, you know, clearly as you go along. But the marketing side of it, the website design, the financial side, I mean, there's so many other intricacies that are linked towards it. And that's been really exciting for me because I just see so many different areas to grow and learn. I feel like I will always be a lifelong learner. And I've really enjoyed, especially from the technology side of things, all the different platforms and plugins. It's like, oh, I've always seen that on a website. Like, how can I do that? Oh, I want to do that. I want to make that. So I love that piece of like still learning as we're going through this whole process. I, I find that super exciting too. And that's one of the new things that we're just, you know, bringing out now to share with everybody is the BizBudding blogging community where we can share, you know, that content, that information, tips and tricks, what other people are doing. You can meet other people who are blogging in that community and learn from each other. And I think that's the most important thing. And one of the ideas behind this podcast is to, to share so people can learn. So I wanted to, you know, thank you both for spending some time with me and, and uh, chatting about your experiences and turning them into a business and uh, some of the tough things and some of the great things that you've been through. I I find it amazing and fascinating. Thank you very much, David, for allowing us to share our story. It's been quite an adventure and we're excited for the next round coming up. So that's awesome. Thank you for all your support with BizBudding. So, I mean, being able to host our websites on your platform has really changed our, I didn't even know what SEO was, you know, about a year ago. I just knew I had a website. I didn't really understand how to be able to, first of all, monetize it and also make sure that it ranked high in Google. So you and your company have taught us a ton. And again, we have a lot to learn and a lot to go back and revise. I heard what you said about the mind mapping of the, like, that's what I need to do too. My, my to-do list has grown after this conversation as well. So, <laughs> but I know way. that's progress. In a good way. In a exactly. good way. In a good progress. way. It is. Yep. it is. So thank you for that. Well, too. thank you. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's all about sharing and learning and growing together and, and building businesses and creating relationships. And, and you, you both have definitely done that. I'm sure you'll continue to do that. We'll put in the show notes, some of the links to the websites and the different products. And, uh, you know, just one again, wanted to say thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.